Good morning. My name is Gary. How's everybody doing today? Everybody in a turkey coma? Is that about right? Got here for the teacher's service and at 8.30 there was nobody there. And everybody seemed very tired. So, I mean, that's just how it goes. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving, I hope? Yes? Good, good, good. It's over now. You know what that means? The Christmas season has officially begun. I believe it started about 4 o'clock Thursday afternoon when people started getting in line for Black Friday events. So, I don't know about you guys, but when you look at the Christmas season, does it get a little crazy? You know, let the craziness begin. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. I mean, it has already started. I mean, Black Friday. Who all, let me ask, who went Black Friday shopping? Some of you? Okay, okay. Hope you all got what you wanted. Guys, uh, it's it's really cool. Uh, You know, Dave and Ulrika Bateman. Ulrika's parents are here from Sweden. And uh, normally, normally they come about every other year. Is that right? In the summertime for three weeks, right? They've broke with tradition. And they came to experience their very first Thanksgiving, which is very cool. And what was even neater is they didn't stop with Thanksgiving. They went straight from Thanksgiving dinner to Black Friday. (laughs) Dave drug Ulrika's father out to Target, stood in line, sat in line, got their tickets. They said they got everything they were looking for over the first two days. Uh, They said they don't want to do it again. (laughs) The Christmas season is here and it is crazy. Who has their Christmas tree up? Yeah. Whose has fallen already? My wife's did, not mine. My wife's did. <laughs> that was because of the cat, by the way. We're babysitting my son and daughter-in-law's cat while they're out of town. And I believe my wife has a picture or video of the cat coming out through the middle of the Christmas tree. And that was before it actually fell down. And so, guys, Christmas just presents us with all kinds of, of things going on. All kinds of uh, things to do. Uh, all things to get decided. I mean, I don't know when you talk about the Christmas tree. If you have, how many of you have the, the artificial or real tree debate every year? Do you have that debate? No, no debate? No debate? Got a diehard traditionalist up here. We went back and forth at our house. I guess, but it's always something. How many of you have had the discussion about how much to spend on the kids or the grandkids? And how much, how do you get them equal? How, who gets the same amount? Who gets what? What about what to get the nieces or nephews or grandkids? Have you had those discussions? No? No grandkids, right? <laughs> Guys, it just gets crazy with everything going on around us. Who's looking forward to all the kids' programs at school? Some are, some aren't. I used to dread those things. I mean, couldn't stand it. Make it worse. You know, you're getting off work, you're all busy, and uh, you, you fly home from work, you know, trying to get there, everything on time, and you got to get showered, and you get there. And one year, we're getting there literally right before it starts, and it's standing room only in the gymnasium at LeClaire Elementary School. And so we're going in, you know, just trying to say, where do we get? And my mom has arrived early. And as we enter the door, my mom's turned around, she stands up and she waves, and she's saved four seats for us right up front. So we get to walk past all these people who are standing to four seats that are safe for us. Felt really bad. I'm sorry. I didn't mean for her to do this. We didn't ask her to do this. 
But I, I dreaded those programs. And it wasn't the program as much as it was just the busyness of it all. And you've got everything going on. And everybody knows you've got to go look at the lights, right? You've got to go look at the lights. And you've got to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Is that not right? Is there anybody here who's never seen It's a Wonderful Life? Wow. Tim is going to officially ask you to repent, correct? Tim is actually, guys, just to add to the busyness for those of you who don't have it on your list already, uh, Tim is going to be preaching a two-week series beginning next week on It's a Wonderful Life. And he's going to be making reference to the movie. So we'd like to ask you, if you could, to watch that or rewatch it. If you're not familiar with some of the characters, he's going to be referencing them. And it'll help you to follow along with what he's talking about. And guys, Christmas is just this way. It's crazy. And I have one issue with Christmas and, and all the craziness. Number one is I don't like to partake in I choose not to partake in the majority of the craziness. Why? It's just my choice. I went to a Black Friday event once in the middle of the night. My wife, I volunteered. I volunteered so she wouldn't have to. But guys, I have one desire to go to Black Friday. You know what it is? To sit in a lawn chair and to watch all the craziness. That's my only desire. Dave, did your kids get to go do that? No. Dave's kids were saying, we want to go to Black Friday. That's where people get their arms broke. You know, and I'm not there to watch people get their arms broke, but just to be able to watch the craziness and to be able to sit back and go, I don't have to do that. Now, I'm not condemning. I'm not criticizing any of that. I'm just saying I choose not to partake as much as possible in the, in the craziness of the Christmas season. And, guys, that's just my choice. And I'm just, I'm just, you know, was I, I, this is a bigger crowd than what I had with the teacher service. But in the teacher service, whenever I'd talk about some of these things, you'd see these facial expressions. All except for one, Elena Weiler was smiling the whole time. She says, I love the holidays. I don't get stressed at all. I said, you're a weirdo. You're strange. God will get you at Easter. Or some other time of the year. And guys, it's just the truth of the matter. The holidays have a very high potential for being very stressful. Very very crazy. Uh, it's a challenging time for a lot of folks. Because of the expectations, because of things in the past. I mean, let's face it, it is a family time. If there is ever a time of the year, Thanksgiving and Christmas is when you want to be with family. But not everybody can, not everybody has that, either through death or divorce or, or even marriage. You know, things aren't the way they used to be. I had to explain to my mother this year, you know, uh, my, our oldest son Jonathan got married. And my, my wife, Emily's from about four hours away up around Kankakee, and they do big family events. And my wife said, look, we get to see you all the time. You go to whatever, you, you have the freedom to go to whatever family events you want up there, and we will work around that. That's what my wife told her. And then she says, my wife tells me, now you get to tell your mother that Jonathan's not going to be there. <laughs> Which I did. Okay, and I live to tell about it. Because, you know, even marriage changes things. Things don't stay the same. They, they change. And 
I, let's just be honest. I, I admit, I have a hard time with some of those things sometimes. And guys, that's, that's, this holiday season is here. And it looks crazy. And it looks like, what is it going to be like? And guys, I wanted to talk about this today as we go into it. You know, I mean, you've, you've seen the billboards or the placards on, on in front of, of, uh, front of church buildings, you know. And what do they say? Jesus is the reason for the season. And keep Christ in Christmas. Right? And I understand that. You know, it's, it started out about Christ and it's, it's more or less not anymore. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus never commanded or expected us to have this holiday. You know that? I mean, He didn't. He's really more interested in you keeping Christ in your life every day of the year than He is in you keeping Christ in Christmas. Okay? And now, if Christmas can be used to get a person more interested in Christ being involved in their life the rest of the year, great. But he's more interested in you being involved, him being involved in your life every day of the year. And so guys, what I'd like to do today, we're going to talk about, you know there's no notes in your bulletin. I asked, Janet McBride was asking me about that, and I said, can you still listen without taking notes? She says, yeah, she assured me she could. I think she seemed eager to try. But guys, there's no notes. We just wanted to, I just wanted to talk very briefly as, you know, as we head into the Christmas season. How can we literally have God's perspective on this? You see, because God, He doesn't say anything about Christmas. Jesus never said, You're really my followers if you keep Christ in Christmas. He never said that. Now, He did say, You're truly my disciples if you hold on to my teachings. And so, guys, I want to look at some things. We want to look at a little bit of God's perspective, and we want to talk about how we can make sure... What what does Jesus teach us that can impact our stress level as we go through Christmas in a positive way? Okay? Let's talk about that. We've got two verses we want to look at real quick. And uh, this is, guys, just to look at God's perspective as we enter on things in general as we enter the Christmas season. The first one is in... First one is in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4. This is what it says. It said that then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and to ga- and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. In Deuteronomy 8, chapter chapter 8, and verse 2, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. Now, guys, I, I, I pulled up those two passages because it's talking about God testing His people. Now, what's going on in these passages? One is 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 in the beginning when it's happening, and the other is saying, hey, remember it. Is in the desert, God was leading His people around for 40 years in the desert, and they wanted something to eat. They were hungry, and God gave them something to eat called manna. Did not exist before, hasn't existed since, they don't know what it is. We, we can only speculate as to what it actually was. But basically they would get up in the morning and manna would be on the ground. And God told them, He says, you go out each day and you take enough for that day. He says, just enough for that day. That's where the test was at. Are you really going to do what I tell you? And He tells them, He goes, if you gather more, 
It's going to smell, and it's going to get maggots on it. So guess what some people did? They tested God. (laughs) They tested if what he said was true. They gathered more than their fair share, more than they needed for the day. The next morning they woke up, and guess what? There's maggots on it. You can't eat it. And guys, that's what he's telling them this. He's telling them this, listen, I want to test you. Now my question is, do you think when God tests people, and he does test you, he does test us, does he really not know what we're going to do? I mean, do you think God gives us a test so he's going to find out what you're going to do? I mean, David in the book of Psalms, he tells us that God, you knew me from the time I was bo- before I was born. You knit me together in my mother's wombs. You know my comings, my goings. You know everything about me. You know what I'm going to do before I do it. Guys, I offer to you that God tests us not to find out what we're going to do, but to not to really see what's in our heart because he already knows, but to reveal to us what is in our heart. That's what he tests us for. Now, Gary, why, why, now why am I talking about God testing the Israelites years ago as we look into the Christmas season? season? Well, guys, I want to offer to you the perspective of viewing this Christmas season as a test. For God is trying to reveal to you through the stress or potential stress of the coming five weeks what's in your heart. You see, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing in a crowd this size that most of us will be tested on some level even when we least expect it with regards to Christmas. Something is going to happen. Guys, it happened to me a few years ago. Like I told you, I'm pretty low-key about it. I accept things the way they are. I don't have a lot of expectations about Christmas. I've even told my kids, look, I really don't care about having a present. I don't want a present. It's a gift to have you guys around me all through the year. Guys, on Tuesday night in June when we have dinner together and we're all sitting around and my kids get al- getting along and having a good time and we're being family, that's worth more to me than any Christmas present they're ever going to buy me. And I told them as much. I don't care that much about it. But a few years ago, I'm at a family gathering and all of a sudden I'm tempted to be depressed. Some, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it, but Satan told, showed me, hey, your family ain't all it's supposed to be. And it wasn't with my, my kids. It was with, you know, more of the extended family. But it was just like, you know, I'm going along, everything's jolly, and I'm being Uncle Gary, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Then wham! Wham! It ain't all going to go the way you want, Gary. You had some hopes and some expectations, and, and they're not going to happen. And you see, guys, every one of us is here is going to, I'm guessing, on some level, faces that same temptation this, this holiday season. And so, guys, I want to talk about how do we, what do we do with that? What do you do with that? How do you face it? How do you deal with it? You see, guys, because you have an opportunity here. You have an opportunity of whether or not you're going to trust God or you're going to be stressed. And we want to look at something just very quickly, very briefly. I, I mentioned earlier that 
Jesus never said, you're really my disciples if you keep Christ in Christmas. What he did say was, you, if you hold on to my, you will prove that you are my disciples if you hold on to my teachings. And I just want to look at one teaching real quick, talk about it, apply it to the Christmas season, and hopefully send you out of here with something you can, you can use in a productive way. And this one teaching of Jesus that we want to look at is found in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. Let me grab a drink of water here and we'll read that. How's that sound? And this is what it says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more... Will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Guys, that verse 30 where it says, For the pagan world runs after all such things. Does that not describe the Christmas season? I mean, the world is running after this Christmas experience. And there's tremendous stress. There's tremendous, tremendous stress. And guys, Jesus is saying, you don't have to live that way. Now, it's interesting, he's not just talking about the Christmas season. He's talking about every day of the year. Now, as I told you, I really don't have that much of an issue. I have my, my my, my struggles with Christmas. But overall, I don't get that worked up about it. But can I tell you something? God has revealed to me pretty clearly that I have a problem with worrying. I mean, I I would have never guessed that over the last year. He's made it very clear. He's tested me, and I've seen what he wants me to see. And he wants me to see that I worry. Guys, when you hear this this passage and you hear, do not worry, when I'm up here and I I talk about worry, I can just kind of hear a collective groan from the crowd. Because it's so common. We know when we get, when it gets down to it, and guys, this is some of the real, honestly, the basic teachings of Jesus. And he's telling you, do not worry. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to, I, one of the things I've learned is I have a very specific, I had a very specific view of worry. That, um, what do I want to say? Was, was limited. Let's say that. It was very limited. And so guys, I want to read you a few things here. 
I looked up the word worry in, in the English dictionary, and I also went back and looked at, at the Greek word that is translated worry here, and some of the different meanings of it. But anyway, in the English di- dictionary, some of the definitions say, to torment oneself with disturbing thoughts. <laughs> torment. Have you ever had thoughts that tormented you, and you never dis- identified them as worry? You know, Alan shared with us before, uh, with, with Tim and I, and he'll share with anybody, that's why I feel free to share it here without asking his permission. <laughs> but he has shared how he goes through these mental arguments in his mind. Arguments that have yet to happen and probably will never will. And it's because he has a desire to prove himself right. To other people to see him as, as, as correct. And he understands that probably will never happen. Is torment a good word for that? At times. Guys, that's worry. Tormenting by the... Have you ever worried about those... Went, went over things again and again in your mind about an upcoming situation? You know, we've got an old joke here. Uh, and it happens every now and then. I'm going back over 20... Before I was married, so it's over 26 years ago, uh, when the church didn't have a building and we were renting a building. And on a Wednesday evening, Mike Kiffmeyer came up to me before church and said, Can I talk to you after church? Do you know what I thought about the whole time we were in church that evening? I was tormented by what he wanted to talk to me about. I was worrying. It was nothing. It was nothing. And, and we'll talk about this because usually when he used to say that, it meant something. Especially if he said, brother, can, I, can you join me for a Coke? Can we go have a Coke together? That, right? that meant you're going to get challenged, you're going to get confronted, and your mind instantly started reeling, worrying about what's going to be on, tormenting. How many times have you been, I can't tell you how many times I've been through that, and it was nothing. Absolutely nothing, guys. But torment is the word. Another definition is feeling of uneasiness or anxiety. Trouble. Just not sure how things are going to turn out. Behind the Greek word it says to seek or search after. Okay, you're seeking something. When I was talking about Alan and his, and his situation, he's, he's seeking after, appearing to be right. Endeavor to obtain. To require, demand, ask for, demand. Guys, that's what worrying is doing. It's demanding something very specific. And Jesus is saying, don't do it. Now, I can't sit here and go through every situation that you might face. I know very good and well that in a crowd anywhere near this size or even a fraction of this size, that every one of us, that any, every one of us is going to have different struggles when it comes to this. And so, guys, I really believe that it's going to take God's involvement to help you get through something like this. So how do you do it? I've got four four quick things I want to go through. But before I do that, I want to read something to you guys. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It's not up on the screen. But here's what it says. It says, although we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, 
They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I offer to you guys that worrying is a stronghold. He goes on, he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And listen to this, he goes, And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Guys, what I want to suggest to you here tonight, I want to offer to you today, I'm sorry, today, as you approach the Christmas season, I'm just speculating that every one of us here is going to be tempted in some way. And guys, I want to offer to you to consider that instead of just trying to resist temptation, you want to take captive your thoughts and make them obedient to Jesus. Well, how do you do that, Gary? Well, I can't tell you every, you know, every situation, but I can give you some. But the first thing I want to tell you to do is, if you want to do this, number one, to reaffirm your commitment to following Jesus. That's the first step. Guys, you've got to reassure yourself, reaffirm, recommit, whatever you want to say, that, hey, I'm interested in following Jesus, not just surviving the holiday season. See, because following Jesus goes well beyond the holiday season. Second thing is to ask God to show you when you're worrying. Do you know that's a prayer I will promise you He will answer? I believe that. I believe it's His desire for you to know. He says, whatever you ask in His name, which means by His authority, which means He's going to agree with it. He wants you to see your stress. He wants you to see your worry. And I will promise you that if you pray that prayer sincerely and keep your eyes open, He will answer it. Okay? And guys, with kind of a sub-point of that is not just pray and ask Him to show it to you, but also to show you a clear choice of what to do instead. You know, in 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about that he won't let us, God won't let us be tempted beyond what we can endure, but will provide us a way out. Too often, we just think, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. And we never look for a way out. We just stand there in the presence of temptation and try to resist. You know, guys, it's one of the, you know, and Jesus talks about this. I mean, there's several examples of this in the Bible. You know, in Ephesians 4, it talks about him who is lying must stop lying and begin telling the truth. It's not just a matter of, hey, I'm not going to lie, but I'm going to start telling the truth. It's not just, and he goes on to say, you know, the person who has been stealing must stop stealing and begin working with his hands. And so the choice is, it's not just a matter of stopping stealing, I can't steal, I can't steal, I can't steal. It's a matter of start working. And so guys, that's what I'm saying is, you need to ask God to say, Hey God, show me when I'm worrying and make my choices clear. Make my choices clear. I I talked about the the, the situation uh, a few years ago that I faced at Christmas time. And it was a struggle. It was a battle. And I had this expectation or this hope or this desire for a relationship with uh, nieces and nephews. 
And basically I was slammed in the face with, bam, that ain't going to happen. At least it's not going to happen now. Now I had a choice. My, my, my natural way is to have a, have a pity party and get depressed. To get bothered. The other way is to go, my way out was to understand that's something that I can't control. Not the depression. I mean what goes on with my niece and nephew. At this time, I have no control over that. I have very little influence over that. I need to give my attention to what I can control. To what I can influence. Pour my life into kids and to people that want a relationship with me. Not those that don't. And guys, that's what I'm asking you to pray. God, show you clearly the difference. This has been a prayer of mine for years. Pray that God will show you the difference of your choices. You see, it's not enough just to see, oh, I'm tempted to worry. Oh, I'm tempted to be stressed. Oh, I'm tempted to be an, have an attitude. Oh, I'm tempted to talk bad about somebody in this situation. You need to go the opposite way. Third thing, guys, is you need to make clear, conscious choices. If God's going to show you your choices very clearly, you've got to step over the line. You've got to choose what you're going to do. You've got to choose that you're not going to worry, that you're going to let go of things. I told you earlier that I have a, a, a God's revealed to me... Um, uh, a, a problem I have with worry. I get stressed. I've told you, I've told you this before, this latest uh, business venture that we've had, this latest car wash, has, uh, has stressed me. I've, God's shown, you're worried. You're worrying about this. And it, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. I can go into great details. But this morning, I had a situation. I had an employee call off in the middle of the night. They're supposed to be there today. Yesterday, we washed a grand total of seven cars. You know, not a lot of cars. I'm going by this morning. I can't get in touch with any other employee. Two of them I know are out of town. My son has plans to move, and I'm going to be here. I have a choice to worry, to fret. But instead, as I drove by, I just put out the sign that says we're closed due to weather. And I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm going to give my attention to things that need my attention. Right now, that's not one of them. And I'm going to trust God for what happens. Guys, it's the same way. When God shows you your choice, you've got to step over the line. And the last thing, guys, is you need to feel good about trusting God. Okay? That is one of my biggest challenges. When I, I've told you before, when I persevere, when I'm doing what God wants me to do, I'm going to... And that's not how He wants me to be. You know, I have Alan has made a statement. He brought up a statement... Uh, the other day, and I'm not sure if you if it's in your lessons from Luke or if you were just talking about your small group. But he was talking about we worry to the extent that we don't trust God, that we don't have faith, and we have faith to the extent that we don't worry. Now here's the deal, guys. If you've decided, if you've reaffirmed, hey, I want to follow Jesus, that means you're going to live by faith. And when you're choosing to live by faith, that's an exciting thing. You're doing what you want to do. And you should feel good about it. And it's a choice. And so guys, I don't know where you're at this morning. I hope this helps as you prepare for the holiday season.
Guys, I believe with all my heart that it's too easy to just get caught up in what's going on and to never to make conscious choices in our day about what we're doing to follow Jesus. And I believe this coming season is a major obstacle, is a major distraction for all of us on an individual level. And guys, I just want to encourage you. I hope that helps. Let's pray. And we'll get the group back up here singing. We'll be done. All righty? Father, I want to thank you just for, for opportunities. Father, I was reading on Facebook about, with an old friend, about an old friend that just learned he's going to lose his job. And uh, I plan on calling him. I just didn't want to put it on Facebook. But I just want to say, man, you've got a tremendous opportunity here. You've got an opportunity to trust God like you haven't before or in a way that you haven't. And uh, God's entrusting you with it. Father, this Christmas season is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for allow you to test us and to reveal where we are at. To reveal if we're trusting you. To reveal if we're really committed to following Jesus. Father, I just want to pray that that's our commitment. That, Father, you can help us to pray those, those, pray, those prayers. To ask you, Father, how am I tempted to worry? Father, I pray that over the coming weeks that there will be stories of people who have made decisions, who prayed, and you revealed it to them. And Father, they had a much more enjoyable, a much more joyous holiday because they were trusting you instead of running after the busyness of the season. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.